Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode five of Ranting Rangers. We're back here after a little hiatus with a jam-packed episode, plenty of NHL news to report back to, to you on. Mr. Chodis, how are you, my friend? I am so excited to be back and recording with you. Uh, so much to talk about, you know, with the league's return to play, the lottery format, the Rangers matchup against the Hurricanes. It's, it's going to be a boatload to talk about, but surely excited. You hit it right on the nail there. Uh, we got plenty to talk about. We took a little bit of time off just so we could, you know, come back with a full jam-packed episode for you like this today. We've got the NHL's return to play. We're discussing hub cities. We're discussing Olympic hockey and how that might look in the future. Uh, we're, we're discussing the uh, the playoffs, the, the playoff format, the Rangers matchup with the Hurricanes. Plenty to talk about. And, hey, you know, today's a good day. It's July 1st, and it's the one-year anniversary of Artemi Panarin's signing with the New York Rangers. We were sitting oh, next yeah. to each other when that happened. And, uh, yeah, what an exciting day. Oh, dude, maybe the best day in the, in the you know, the previous 365 days. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, well, while we'd like to be reporting about some free agent signings today, this will, this will suffice. So we'll get right to it, though, starting with the NHL's return to play format, which is, you know, looking a lot more promising uh, than it did a little, a little while ago when we last spoke. And although it's not, you know, it's not confirmed, it's not perfect yet, what are your thoughts right now, Mr. Chodas? I think that the, propo- that the proposed format, I think that the NHL did a wonderful job, you know, with the circumstances. And I think they gave – there were 24 teams. I would say probably 22 of those teams, I think, had a real legitimate chance of getting into the playoffs. And I think seeing the qualifying round, I think it's going to be high-paced, really entertaining. It may be a little sloppy because they've been off, but I think that will make it a bit more fun to watch. And then, of course, it's awesome that you get, that you get those top eight teams in each conference, the top four, to have a round robin just so they have, you know, those games to play and for the re- for the seating. And I think all in all, I, I applaud Gary Bettman and the rest of his staff. Yeah, I think you. I think you're right again there. I think that the league did a good job with this with this whole format. It's it's thorough. It's well thought out. It makes a lot of sense, you know, from top to bottom. And starting with the fact that the qualifying round is a great little idea. It's going to be a lot of fun. I like that it's a best of five series and rather than a best of seven to try and save some time there. And the fact that you've got the top four playing in that round robin is also is also uh, you know very sharp of them to do because you've got. Now you've got them on an even playing field, and it's not like those qualifying round teams could head into the second round having already played five games, whereas you know those other teams would be uh, rested, but maybe not as ready to play. Um, so I and think you know what, that, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And you, you know what else they're doing, which I think is really really cool. Um, you know, after every matchup, how they're going to reseed, so you can really have you know an even matchups throughout the whole playoffs, which I think is a wonderful idea, and I think that's going to be really entertaining as well. Yeah, no, and, and it's exactly. They're they're trying to make it as legitimate as possible. And as you know, as some guys have gone out and said, there might be an asterisk next to this Stanley Cup, but not an asterisk in that it's it doesn't count or you know it's not the same and that it's just a different kind of year. But it's you know it's going to be just yeah. as tough as ever to win a Stanley Cup. And it's not. And th- so there's so many qualifying round teams that it wouldn't be so outlandish to see one of those teams win those those extra games. And what well, you have to win 19, right? If you're a qualifying round team to win a cup. Yeah. I mean, there are some extremely talented teams. I think the Penguins are definitely going to be forced to be reckoned with, and I think they have a really good chance to win the Stanley Cup. A fully healthy Columbus Blue Jackets team. They're perfectly suited for the playoffs. They play a physical brand of brand of hockey. We saw what they could do against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then you have, you know, some young, fast-paced teams. For instance, the New York Rangers. Am I saying they're going to win a Stanley Cup? No, probably not. But I'm saying it's def- they definitely have a good chance to make a magical run here. Again, in all, again, before you shake your head at me, in all likelihood, they are not going to win the Stanley Cup. But I'm saying it should be a fun run. Again, yeah. I want to clarify that. There's, there's, uh, there's plenty of talent in, in, these 20, in the NHL is a league with a lot of parity. There's a lot of good teams. And, you know, there's usually when you've got 16 teams in the playoffs, there's, there's some teams on the outside looking in there that are plenty capable. And, you know, this year you do, like you said, I think you get a lot of these capable teams are all, are all there and it's going to be as competitive as ever. Um, but you know, the only thing there's, there's, there's some hurdles to clear still. It's not like this is 100% happening as we've seen, uh, with some of these other leagues, you know, it's, it's tough to start up. There's definitely lots of, you know, COVID-19 outbreaks within the different you know facilities and teams and stuff. And it's not going to be perfect. Um, and you know, in, in the NHL, as with other leagues, guys will have the, the ability to opt out and, and not play if that's what they're more comfortable with. So there's still a lot to, uh, to get through here. 
Um, but we've seen the hub cities come out, seems to be pretty much officially, uh, both in Canada, uh, Toronto and Edmonton. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I think that, you know, we've seen outbreaks and so many positive tests in the U.S. in the past couple of days. So I think the only choice really was to make it two Canadian cities. Agreed. And um, a, re- a recent report, I th- it seems like the Rangers and Islanders, two New York teams, are going to be playing in Toronto. So I think, you know, at first we thought they, they were going to be playing in Edmonton maybe because of the Eastern region, but it seems like that's not going to be. So maybe Toronto may have some home ice advantage, which uh, seems a little interesting to me if they end up playing in Toronto. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think they definitely should have them play in the opposite conference city. Obviously, you've got Edmonton and Toronto, two cities in two, of the, you know, two different conferences in the NHL. I'd have the Eastern Conference play in Edmonton. Obviously, there's not a home ice advantage in the way that you would have with fans in the arena, but just the fact that those guys are in Toronto in a city they're comfortable with, you know, that does give the Maple Leafs some sort of advantage, I would say. It's not a crazy advantage, but you're, you are trying to make this as legitimate, you know, as possible. And it doesn't seem like there's necessarily any harm in having them, you know, switch there. You know, then you've also got everyone away from their families, everyone, you know, in the bubble there more easily. And it's just the comfort factor, which I do think is a big deal. The Rangers are now, you know, going to go spend however long they last in Canada, whereas for the, the Maple Leafs, it's a little different if they're just playing in their home city. You know, it's it's definitely, uh, it's not going to hurt you. Uh, but I think other than that, I, I think, it, as you said, it makes sense. It, it seems like it had to be in Canada, although that once wasn't the case, but it, that was the right decision by the league there. I want to go back to a point you made earlier about players opting out and recent positive tests. I think there's a harsh reality that we've seen in sports league. There's going to be numerous positive tests every week, right? And those players are going to have to sit out. And I don't think the NHL has to take that as, oh, no, we have to cancel the league. You know, some other sports leagues are really freaking out. If, if a player gets a positive test, maybe they will opt out. Maybe we will see some stars opting out. Like we've already seen in the NBA, you know, players like DeAndre Jordan of the Nets, he already opted out. And we saw Austin Matthews, you know, he tested positive, one of the NHL's biggest stars. Do we see maybe him or maybe some of his teammates just extremely worried? I I don't know. Yeah, I think it's... Um, but it's definitely something that is a, a little scary. You know, it's... it's uh... It's uh, it's kind of a fine line there and see what these guys are going to do. Uh, I think, you know, as you, as you were getting out there, I think they're going to have to accept that you know, you, there's no scenario here where no one comes down with it. There's going to be a lot of guys that come down with it. Uh, you know, how they deal with it and, you know, what happens uh, is, is to be seen. But I think, you know, anyone hoping that there's going to be no one with, with COVID-19 is just, you know, not really paying attention or something guys are going to get it and you know they'll have the opportunity beforehand to to opt out and if they're you know if they're not comfortable being there and and risking it because it is a risk for sure um but i think that it's uh it's tough yeah it's it's just this it's not it's not you know you're not living in reality if you think there's going to be some sort of case where they can put these guys completely in a bubble and no one's going to get it it just really does not seem like it's going to happen and something that still seems really unclear to me, I don't know if that will be addressed by the league soon. Hypothetically, so let's say a player on, I, I don't know, like the Carolina Hurricanes, whatever, gets, uh, or two players uh, get the virus. Do they have to quarantine or are, are their teammates going to have to quarantine because they were surrounded with them? I think that's like something yeah. that's still unclear to me. I think, and I think that's part of the issue with this, you know, these negotiations between the NHL and the NHLPA are try, they're trying to figure out uh, you know, what these protocols are and how they go about this uh, because it's complicated and it's, you know, you can't like shut down the, the theoretically, like if whatever would make sense if a guy on the hurricanes got it, that the whole team would quarantine, but you can't just like, what are they just knocked out of the playoffs or something? If a guy gets it, like you can't just shut down the team. Uh, but uh, I think it'll be a, uh, it'll be a, It'll be kind of, it'll be an experiment. You kind of have to see how it goes, and it's it's hard to predict how that exactly that's going to go. If guys are going to opt out, that'll be the kind of thing that we you know, when we get there, it'll be uh, it'll be something that we're going to have to just deal with, and it will still be fun if it happens. Yeah, because the worst thing that can happen is sacrificing the health of players and their teammates and anyone around them. So that's of course. So it's I'm I'm intrigued, yet I guess fearful a little bit to see how this all plays out. But again, I, all I can do, I, I can just hope to see hockey once again later this month. Yeah. And, and Hey, let's, let's not overlook here, which was, 
you know, maybe one of the most exciting part about these recent negotiations, which doesn't have to actually do with this year's playoffs, but it's the fact that we could be seeing Olympic hockey in, in 2022, not Olympic hockey, but NHL players participating in the Olympics hockey, uh, something that we've missed the last few years here. Uh, so we had a little discussion about this earlier. I know you're a big USA hockey fan. You're psyched. What are you, what are your thoughts about this? <laughs> uh, when I woke up this morning and I saw, you know, the tweet from from uh, TSN's Pierre LeBron of how the new proposed CBA may include, uh, well, it's not, not may, does include um, NHL players going to the Olympics in 2022, I was so ecstatic. I mean, if you can get all these top players for Canada, you're going to have the likes of McDavid, you know, McKinnon, Crosby playing together, and then Matthews, Eichel, and Kane for USA, it would be a tremendous event. And I, am, I could not be more excited to think about there is a possibility that I can see that finally come to fruition for the first time since 2014. I definitely think there's a, it'll be a ton of fun. There's a lot of stacked teams, just so much talent out there. And as I mm-hmm. said to you earlier, man, I got faith in, in Team USA. I love the roster that they're going to be able to put out if this thing happens. I drew it up quickly for you. Mike Sullivan, you got a great coach there, Pittsburgh Penguins coach. He's done a great job, you know, former Rangers assistant. You've got up front, you've got Austin Matthews, Matthew Kachuk, Jack Eichel, Patrick Kane, Jake Gensel, Johnny Gaudreau, Dylan Larkin, Blake Wheeler, Brock Besser, Kyle Connor, Alex DeBrinkett. Plus, there's plenty of other veteran forwards that could be extras. Fill that last spot, guys. You mentioned like Phil Kessel, Joe Pavelski, TJ Oshie, Max Pacioretty. There's a, so much talent in USA hockey right now, the more than we've seen in a long time. And where I think Team USA, just to sort of go off on a little rant here, has the advantage, <laughs> is on the back end. That's how you, every team has so much skill up front. I mean, Canada's got even more skill, as you mentioned, oh my God. David Crosby. But U.S. on the back end is absolutely stacked. You've got Jacob Slavin and Seth Jones. I mean, if I'm you know, creating my own team right now, like that's pro- that I might pick that pair over anyone in the league. Like what a stacked pair that is, both ends of the ice. And that those two are so solid defensively. You got John Carlson and Zach Wierenski, two guys who are on the rise. Carlson's still younger, Wierenski's very young. And then your third pair, you got Charlie McAvoy and Quinn Hughes. I mean, geez, that's that is. I mean, I'm, you're not scoring on that on that on that. Yeah, uh, and in that uh, in, in that defense, six. you have. Possibly this year's Calder winner in yeah. Quinn Hughes. Possibly this year's Norris Trophy winner in uh, John Carlson. The best defensive goal scorer this year in Zach Wierenski. <laughs> I mean, yeah. analytically, one of the best defensemen in the league, Charlie McAvoy. I mean, it's incredible oh, what they have. And then let's not let's not overlook the goalies. I mean, you've got Connor uh, Hellebuck, who's, you know, I'm, I think it's fair to call him the expected Vezina winner, probably. Yeah. I mean, he's, people have, you know, called for him to get some hard trophy consideration. And then you've got, oh, just John Gibson backing him up. <laughs> I don't think there's any better goalie tandem uh, right now. I mean, yes, Canada's got like Carter Hart and Carey Price, I think. I'd take John Gibson and Connor Hellbuck over either of them. I, I would rank them both above them. I don't think that's so crazy to say either. Um, I think, the, I think as I said, all these teams have got a ton of talent up front. I mean, like yeah. you know, Finland, Finland, Sweden. Uh, U.S., Canada, uh, Russia, I mean, especially Russia up front. Um, but, I mean, when you look at the goalies and the defense, there's there's not that many teams that compare to what the, what the U.S. has back there, which I think gives them the chance to definitely do some real damage, make a statement. Hey, I mean, they went to the gold, what, last time they're – what, last time the NHL players were there, right? 2010. So, 2010. Oh, 2010, sorry. Right, 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 right. Um, but I'm saying they've done it before, and I think this this roster is only stronger than what they've, what they what they did it with uh, last time. So there's there's reason for optimism there, even and a though lot of those Kansas guys you named, is, and a lot of those guys you named are also young too. So in a couple of years they'll start oh, yeah. to be entering their prime. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean literally uh, the list. I mean I mean literally Kane is the oldest guy I think I named of like he's the, not the bad. Players. He's okay. Yeah, exactly. He's still playing at a, quite a high level. But I mean Matthew Zeichel. The Kachuk, not just Matthew Kachuk, but Brady Kachuk, maybe this, maybe in 2022, but maybe even definitely uh, in years after that. Jake Gensel, Goudreau, I mean, Larkin, I mean, all of these, Dabrinkit, Connor, I could keep going, Besser, I mean, all these guys are really young. I mean, this team is stacking up to be a, a good young team in, in 2022, but but the next time they're there, that team is going to be have a chance to be really, really, really good because all those guys are going to be right in their prime. And, uh, and you know, that's I don't know if they got a chance to be thrown Canada one of these years here I, I can see it happening I, I think we also need to include uh, 
the Russians here in this discussion as well because the Russian superstars in the league today are pretty incredible. I mean, Alexander Ovechkin, he's always he's going to be the top goal scorer in the NHL for another three to four years, in my opinion. You have Artemi Panarin, Hart Trophy candidate for this year. Evgeny Kuznetsov, you know, still one of one of the elite centers in the league. I mean, the, and then but you have Bobrovsky or Nikita Kucherov. Nikita Kucherov. Oh yeah, he's okay too. I forgot the guy on the Lightning. He's not bad. Um, you know, Hart Trophy uh, last year. So uh, yeah, I think Russia probably has. One I just of the think Russia's weakness. Russia, I think defense. Russia's offense could be as as yeah. good as any Russian defense. Their, their defense is the issue. That yeah. team is can't is not going to be able to contend. I mean, look, you there. That offense is better than the U.S. But but I, I mean, like they, U.S. can score goals with the group they've had between Matthews, literally between Kane, Michael, and Matthews. Like you can score enough goals that. You, these games aren't going to be total shootouts. You know, it's not like you're going and getting into like seven, six contests here. Like, you know, you got to be able to win a game, you know, whatever, three, one, four, two. It's still, it's still a game like between Russia and Sweden, maybe seven, six, <laughs> but, but it's still like playoff hockey in that degree, in that sense, because it's, it's got the intensity where you the guy you're trying to play with, with as much structure as you can. And Russia, Russia's back end is just not up to the level of, I mean, sweet. We were saying Sweden's is good. Uh, Sweden's is back. Decor is strong. Really Carlson, yeah. Um, but the Russia, I've even just put it up. Like Ivan Provorov and Slava Voinov, Dmitry Orlov <laughs> and Nikita Zaitsev, Mikhail Sergachev and Artyom Zub. Nikita no, Zdorov? no, not not even on here. Um, this is just the hockey news is projected. Uh, you know, team, but I'm saying, you know, it's not like this, that, that, that defense does not compare. Then again, up front, you've got Panarin, Malkin, Kucherov, uh, Svechnikov, Tarasenko, Ovechkin, Gusev, Kaprizov. You've got plenty of talent there. I'm not sure why Kuznetsov's not on it. Uh, And then in goal, they've actually got here, Igor Shosturkin and Andre Vasilevsky. So again, some Rangers recognition there. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a fun tournament for sure. If it happens, I mean, assuming it happens, I'll, I'm psyched for that already, as I know you are too. So can we come to a consensus that the top contending teams are going to be USA, Canada, Russia, Sweden, Finland? Those are the top oh, five yeah. teams that we're going I'm to see. Sure okay. I'm not sure there's much <laughs> debate about that. Although Germany's, Germany's yeah, got some talent, but not quite there yet. In a few years, they're on the rise. They're on the rise. Leon Dreisaitl. <laughs> Tim Stutzel coming in. Yeah. Um, all right, so with that, we'll move to the playoffs this year. The exciting thing we've got this year, the NHL playoff, hopefully coming back. And we haven't even talked about the New York Rangers yet. They'll take on the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes in the qualifying round, but there's one caveat to this matchup here. If the Rangers lose, they have a chance at Alexi Lafreniere on the first overall pick. So we'll start off with that. Just quick look at the NHL draft lottery. Obviously, I mean, there's only so much to say. We know what happened here. You've got... The mystery team, the placeholder team picking first. The Kings uh, second, Ottawa third, Detroit fourth, Ottawa also fifth, Anaheim sixth. Luckily, the Devils slid down to seventh, and Buffalo at number eight. So the Rangers have a chance at the first overall pick. However, the only way they can get the first overall pick is not by using uh, one of Carolina or Toronto's picks from that trade they made, which was extremely complicated, but by only the only way they can possibly get it is by losing themselves to the Hurricanes in the first round. So yeah, we'll just all open it up from there. Before that, I just want to send my dearest apologies to Red Wings fans. They had maybe the one of the worst seasons in recent American sports history, and they fell down to fourth place. So again, just my condolences to all fans of that organization. But uh, to the Rangers now, um, you never root for your team to lose, right? But in this case, if the Rangers were to lose, I would not necessarily be upset. I'm not going to be happy, but I'm not going to be upset because I know in the back of my mind, there is a 12.5% chance they can get someone who is almost, I don't want to say almost certain, but quite likely to be one of the great talents in the NHL. His numbers in junior comparable to the likes of Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon, Um, you know, MVP of the world junior championships. The kid does it all. You know, he has that size, incredible playmaker. You know, he seems he can, you know, find a pass anywhere through the seam, can also finish. So I know that in the back of my head that there's a 12% chance that we can get Alexis Lafreniere, Alexi Lafreniere if we lose. On the other hand, if the Rangers 
were to win that series, I still remember that we automatically already have two first round picks. And something you told me a couple weeks back is that this that is that this draft class, the first round is is going to be so stacked. So I know that we are bound to get two, you know, good players out of junior, and maybe and hopefully one that will pan out. So I know that we're going to have two, you know, high, you know, well not high, but first round picks. And if the Rangers do get past the Hurricanes, which I hope they do, because again I root for my team to win, I think that. Their a run is very possible if they do match up against the Lightning or the um, who's the other, and it's Lightning Bruins Flyers who who's the other Capitals. the Capitals I think that if they fare off against the Lightning and Capitals I think that's where the chances of a run can start because they have had success this year not but fifty fifty success but if it seems like they would have to face the Bruins or the Flyers that's when my head would start turning a little bit. Uh, maybe I wouldn't mind a loss, you know, to the Hurricanes having a chance at that first round pick because chances of us, you know, overcoming that hurdle and defeating the Flyers of Bruins seems inevitable <laughs> out, of some of the resu- uh, out of some of the results we've seen in the past years. But all in all, if there is a chance for a team that one roots for to make the Stanley Cup as slim as it may be, I root for that team to win in playoff hockey. And I will always root for that team. Again, I know there is a player, if you lose, he's always there, generational talent. But the Rangers, if the Rangers, I'm rooting for the Rangers to win this series and make a run. I know you disagree, but I want to hear why. Okay, so start. I'll start with Alexi Lafreniere. Total stud, <laughs> oh, that guy. Wow. I mean, I've been I've been watching some some stuff about him. I'm just you know watching highlights, some game clips and stuff. I mean that guy. I love. I I originally like was watching the World Juniors and stuff. Like, I don't know. I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, looks like a good player. Like you know, you know, uh, you know, whatever. Like I don't see. He doesn't maybe look so special to me. But now I'm seeing a lot lately. And boy, that guy is creative and deceptive with the puck. He's got a great motor, which I like. I mean, look at just a lot of the goals he scores. This, you know, setups he he has. They're just you know, like he they come from his hustle. He just four checks. He does everything, and I mean that that Sidney Crosby comparison is not so far off in his game. Almost where he's definitely a a pass first kind of guy, and he's not even necessarily the most like flashy. Just like a just like a really solid all around guy. He plays defense. Just a good player. I mean, so you know. I'll leave it at I would be pretty psyched if you were to end up with the Rangers. However, your implication that I'm rooting for the Rangers to lose is also incorrect. My only argument is that the Rangers, if you're just looking at it from an objective perspective, uh, the Rangers are the, the Rangers' long-term future. The Rangers are benefiting more in terms of their long-term future by losing and getting Alexi Lafreniere than by you know, going to the third round of the playoffs because I really do not see the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup. I do agree that they could go on a run, but I do not see a scenario where the Rangers win on the Stanley Cup. Do you agree with me? I do agree with you. I don't think the Rangers are. I would literally be absolutely floored, shocked if the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. I don't see them. Happiest you've ever been. (laughs) Of course. I don't see them. I think you're right. If if they're going to beat any of those four teams, it would probably – be, I don't think they're beating Tampa Bay. Uh, I know they. I had think a few they can make games. a series. Let's not forget that they they had they. I know you're saying they had a good a good they played well because they had a good win against them. They also got beat like ten one or something. Yeah, that yeah they lost like forty. They, they lost that was, like that was, that was a rough night. I, they lost ten one or something. I mean, was it actually ten one? No, I, I mean that like was absurd. Three. Um, but I, I would also like to add, you know, I mean, we're big Adam Fox fans. Adam Fox did get his debut goal. Of course, I remember Lightning. that. Sorry. They, <laughs> so they, they played the Lightning twice. The first the first time the Rangers won 4-1. That was Fox's first NHL goal. It was on NBC. I remember that. And then the next one, they lost 9-3 in Tampa Bay. So I think it's premature to say that the Rangers are like, have a good shot against the Lightning. That team, I think, would run them off out of the rink. However, I do think they have a chance against the Capitals. I, it's not, uh, you know, whatever. There's, 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 sure, there's also lots of variables now. We have no idea what these teams are going to look like, you know, now months later and stuff. But I think they have a chance against the Capitals. I think they have no chance against the Bruins. And I actually think they probably 
don't have a chance against the Lightning just because there's too much talent. And I think they were terrible against the Flyers in the regular season. But oh they could God. pull off some sort of magic there. I'd, I'd rather I'd rather them take on the Flyers probably than the Lightning just because, uh, I don't know, I'd feel a little better going into that. Uh, and I think Elian Vigneault is a terrible coach. Um, but uh, actually, although he did a great job this year with the Flyers, um, I do have to give him credit for that. But also did my a good point, job his first year with the Rangers. Of course, exactly. I think I, I don't think he just needed he needed to get out of New York at, by the time he, he needed to. That's a different story. But my point being, the Rangers are not realistically going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. We've established Agreed. that. We agree on that. So my point is only that if the Rangers lose to the Carolina Hurricanes, you're still in the playoffs. So let's say they take it to five games. Ideally, they they take them all the way to five games. So you you got your young team. Gets five games of playoff experience. Okay, good. We'll take that. All these guys, you know, you're not extensive experience, but you'll take those five games. That's something. I think that you then are rested and ready for next season, whenever that comes. I think you're risking injury and, you know, complications that could come from not just COVID-19, but all this time off. I know they have this little training camp, but I question how, ready these guys are going to be to go after this short training camp. You know, in a typical summer, they've trained all summer and they're coming back and they still have their longer, more extended training camp. They play preseason games. I know they have, what, one one exhibition game, right, they play? I think uh, I believe they play one exhibition game. I think in the preseason, they play five. You're training all before this. You have a whole training camp. It's different coming back and playing like that. Plus, you've been playing all summer, you know, to some degree. These guys have now, a lot of them have been forced, you know, like off the ice, you know, out of training at least for a little while. So to come back, I do think there's a risk of injury, you know, just, you know, things like guys pulling a muscle or something like that. That's a possibility. Plus the COVID-19 risk of, you know, long-term implication that that could have. So going home early is not necessarily the worst outcome, considering you still get five games of playoff experience. You're risking less. You're more you're more rested for next season. And it does play an impact because it's not the same typical offseason where it's kind of like BS when you're like, oh, they made it to the Stanley Cup. They're tired. Like, they got plenty of time to recover. Like, this one makes sense if it works out the way we're kind of expecting it to, where you could use the extra rest time. And Alexi Lafreniere's generational talent, I'll give you that one, more than Kapokaka. Um so I do think that if you're going to get five games of playoff experience, keep your guys healthy, and you also get Alexi Lafreniere, who's on a rookie contract, who's not being paid, then you're seriously primed to like make a run in the next like three years when you've got Capo, Kako, Mika Zibinijad, Panarin, Lafreniere, Kreider, all these guys, you're loaded. Yeah, go ahead. What if I was to give you a hypothetical situation that the Maple Leafs – end up losing in their first round and the Hurricanes defeat us but end up losing, we would still get a top 15 pick and all likely we're a top we, we get a top 15 pick, two top 15 picks or two top 20 picks, right? I believe so. Yeah, in some degree. They'd Around probably that. two top 20 picks, so, not top 15. So would you would you rather in a, as, you, as you said before, a stock draft class have two first round picks with our young developing team most um, see in a couple weeks of playoff, a playoff hockey, playoff experience, see this team have early playoff success and also get two high-level good Top talent? 20 picks. Or would you rather take a 1-8 chance of – well, you have to lose first and then have a 1-8 chance of getting undergenerational talent. Well, that I'll I take think, my – I'll, I'll take the I'll take the chance at Lafreniere because you're also forgetting the fact that okay they don't get Lafreniere then it's based on points percentage so the Rangers could end up picking then in the top eleven still even if you lose you don't get Lafreniere picking in the top eleven or twelve plus you could still play out that scenario where Toronto then also loses in the first round and Carolina loses in the second round after beating the Rangers and the Rangers now have like let's say the tenth pick and they have the uh, you know the sixteenth pick. And that's better than if they win and they lose in the second round and they have the, uh, let's see, they lo- they win, the, they both, then they, you know, whatever. I think they're ending up with like te- mid-teens picks rather than the 10th and like the 16th or something. So the draft capital is going to be better if they lose regardless. That's their best. Losing gives them the best pick, even if it's not Alexi Lafreniere. And my point is that 
does it make that much of a difference? Because while we agree they're not going to win the Stanley Cup, does it make that much of a difference if they go to the second round and play those five more games there? And or they just play because you know if they play the if they play because the Rangers will most like I think if the Rangers win, they'll be like one of the bottom teams in points percentage in terms of this reasoning. They will. Yeah, so they'll they will. play. I mean, unless like Chicago or Montreal wins, right? So that's not going to happen. I don't really. I mean, Chicago's Giants. I don't think Montreal. Um, but. My point being, okay, so they're going to get the hottest team of that of that group of four. So whatever, let's let's play it out. Where I think Boston's probably the best team. So let's say they get Boston. We agree they don't really have a shot against Boston. So yeah, they just yeah. so let's say they go down in five games in the second round against Boston, meaning they've played ten games now rather than five in in a hypothetical scenario where they take Carolina in five games, which I think is a possibility. Is that really is that five games against Boston really worth it to not take your twelve point five percent chance at Lafreniere and end up with two, you know, top twenty picks rather than like a two top fifteen picks or something? I don't think so. I'm not rooting against them. All I'm arguing is that it would be better for the team, and I'm not going to be disappointed solely because of the fact that I think they don't have a chance of winning a Stanley Cup this year. If 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 this was a scenario where they could win the Stanley Cup and they were stacked and, I, and they were like the Penguins and it was like they've got a real shot, then it would be a little bit disappointing, but you'd have the Lafreniere option to fall back on as like a positive. But this team isn't winning the Stanley Cup. So if yeah. they lose, I'm going to be – I'll be – yeah, yeah, whatever. It's good. Fine with me. I'm going to take my final point on saying if the Rangers win their first round against the Hurricanes and, and you know, and make that final 16 playoffs, I would be ecstatic to see the Rangers back in the playoffs for the first time since 2017. If they lose, I'll be mad for a couple days. And I'm not going to be happy after that, but I'm not going to be that upset because then I'll realize, again, they have a chance. We, we can't take it as if they lose again last year. They have a chance. So yeah. I don't really know that if there is any awful outcome that can come out of the next month and a half because they're either going to get valuable playoff experience or they're going to have a top 10 pick and have a chance to lick a little That's fair. That's fair. This lottery and this whole, this whole draft format slash playoff format worked out well for them in the sense Very that well. they'll have a chance to make a run. And again, I don't think they'll win, but they got a chance to make a run. Mm-hmm. And they've also got a chance to get the top, the top pick in the draft or just get a top 10 pick or just a lot of all of these, all of these scenarios make sense. My point is that if they lose, I mean, if they lose and they still, if they don't get Lafreniere, you've got the top. So you've got the number one pick goes to, let's say, let's say one of those teams, like uh, those teams seated lower than the Rangers gets it. Let's say Montreal gets the first pick. They're probably the most like deserving of it. So Montreal picks first, and then you have the nine through what through 16 are done by points percentage. So I believe that would give the Rangers the 10th pick because I think Chicago would pick ninth and then the Rangers would pick 10th. So I'm saying you're still ending up with the 10th pick with a, with a, a loss in the first round rather than the 18th or something like that, you know? So I do think there's still benefit to yeah. losing just in the overall draft, you know, scenario. There's not, there's no, there's nothing to, to lose from that and that you're probably getting a top 10 pick, which it just is either going to be like number one or like number 10. There's no in between. Yeah. Like there are great points on both sides. I still want the Rangers to win, but if they lose, I would be very satisfied with them getting a top 10 pick. So I really do think it is a win-win scenario. It's either generational talent, a top 10 talent or valuable playoff experience and a run. So yeah, it's a win, 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 win. Um, situation for the Rangers, and it's a problem everyone in the everyone in this organization would love to have. Yep, I think uh, now the question is, will they win? And we'll we'll shift over to that to talk mm. about the Hurricanes, um, a team that I think uh, the Rangers match up pretty well with, a team that the Rangers beat four times in the regular season. Uh, that that number might be deceiving because they had a lot of those games were somewhat close, but the score might not show it. Uh, not necessarily. There was one game carried by the goaltenders. Yes. And they were carried by their goaltenders, uh, you know, on multiple occasions. But I wrote an article about this a while back. Uh, we talked about this. You know, I'm not going to say the Hurricanes are like. It's not dumbing. It's by no means an easy matchup or anything. Of not, sorts, oh, but yeah. if the if the Rangers are going to pick a team, you know, seated ahead of them, that they were going to want to play, this is the team they'd pick not just because of their regular season success, because I do think they match up well. What are your thoughts on Carolina? Besides from matching up well, I'm just going to go back to the history of the past, what, five, 
seven years, the success they've had against this, this Carolina team, no knock against them because they're a great team and they made a tremendous run in the playoffs last year. But I think if I look what's happened in this season and the season before that, when, you know, and I think that the Rangers, I think that they will be able to continue this winning streak that they're on. And I think that they have three great goaltending options who, I, well, Henrik Lovitz has had great success against the Hurricanes, but I do, do think that Igor Shesterkin is going to start, which we'll get to later. So I think that the Rangers have a class goaltender to go to, uh, which will be tremendous help. And what? What? Class. What? It's class a good. It's a, it's, 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 a, it's a good adjective. Class. It's a good. It's a good adjective. What can I say? Continue. Um, and I also think that the two stars in Artemi Panarin and Nick Zibanejad are going to be so crucial with such a young team. And if they could just, you know, get the scoring started early and just continue that hot streak, I think that the Rangers can definitely win this series in four or five games. Yeah, the 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 Carolina Hurricanes aren't going to be an easy out. I mean, Not looking at, at them, they've got some some talent too. Uh, you know, Sebastian Ajo is quite a player. Uh, they've got that top line there just as a whole with with Andre Svechnikov, the number two overall pick. Uh, in draft two years ago, you got Sebastian Ajo and Tevo Teravainen. Uh, that's a that's a great trio right there. That's a heck of a top line. However, where I think the Rangers have the advantage is is after that to some degree. I think although the Rangers lack forward depth, I think Carolina's the rest of Carolina forward core does not instill fear in me if I'm the Rangers. You know, the second line is Warren Fogle, uh, Vinny Trocek, and Martin Natchez. Then you've got Brock McGinn, Jordan Stahl, Justin Williams, uh, who's you know been a thorn on the Rangers' side in the past. Mr. Game Nino, Seven. Yeah, Nino Niederreiter, Morgan Geeky, Jordan Martinuk. You know, again, there's plenty of good players, and there's some talented players in that group. But I, in my opinion, there are really there's really that top line that you're looking to shut down. And if you can do that, then you're putting yourselves in a, in a pretty good spot. Whereas with the Rangers, when you have Panarin and Zibanejad separated, now you've got a healthy Chris Kreider again. You've got the KZB line, and you've also got the Panarin-Foss-Strom uh, line. Plus, I think... You you know although they didn't necessarily find consistent success in this in the regular season, your third line of whatever combination of Philip Hedl, Kapokako, and and maybe a third you know, maybe Brendan Lemieux maybe uh, maybe uh, Brett Howden maybe Julian Gauthier that's a line that has a lot more talent and is a lot more threatening than per se Carolina's third line of Brock McGinn, Jordan Stahl, and Justin Williams which is a good like grinder grinded out kind of line but you know if whatever if Capococco you know is all of his training that we've seen you know pays off and he catches fire like he's not gonna he's gonna he's not gonna he's gonna have more of an impact than than you know Brock McGinn is gonna have as the left wing of Carolina like on the third line where the potential the ceiling is high for that line uh, if things go right and, and I think, again, the Rangers' forward depth is not perfect or anything, but I do think they have that advantage. But where Carolina's got the advantage is on the back end. Um, Jacob Slavin is, you know, the best defenseman in the, in the series, uh, I would say. I'm sorry to Adam Fox. You know, he knows, I know he's my favorite, but... Wait, not Brady Shea? Not Brady Shea. Uh, we've got Dougie Hamilton coming back from injury for, for them, uh, which is big. Yeah, that's, you know, Dougie Hamilton was having a, quite the season before he uh, went down. Uh, and then you've got Brady Shea, you've got uh, you got Jake Gardner, you've got Trevor Van Riemsdyk, you've got Joel Edmondson, you've got Brett Pesci, who actually I don't think will be back from injury. You've got Sammy Votnin, who will be back from injury. There's a ton of – they're not all, like, stars. You just got There's a ton of solid defensemen in that group. And they're all guys you know the names of. Exactly. They're all like relevant yeah. players. I mean, look, I think I like Joel Edmondson's game, former St. Louis Blue. He's got the experience now after the going to champion cup yeah. last year. Um, I think he's a good player. Jake Gardner is mistake prone. Uh, he's, but he's good offensively. Dougie Hamilton's a stud. If he plays, I mean, which, like he will play, it seems like that's a big deal. Uh, Brady Shea similarly is mistake prone. <laughs> Uh, but I'm serious. I mean, I think these guys are good players and they're the kind of guys, like if, if things break right for them, like they could totally like heat up and have a good series, but they're also like Brady Shea is going to make a glaring, one glaring mistake in the series as well as with Jake Gardner <laughs> and like Sammy Votnin's a, I, I'm not a huge Sammy Votnin like fan. I can't say I've seen him play all that often, but when from when he was with the devils, he's a offensive guy who can quarterback a second power play, but he's not, uh, you know, a guy that I'm worried about if I'm the Rangers. Um, and then in goal is where the Rangers' biggest advantage comes, though, with yes. with Igor Shesterkin over Peter Mrazek or 
James Reimer. And I mean, that one is, is pretty, it's pretty big there, that gap. I don't really think I need to say much about that. Mrazic struggled against the Rangers for the most part throughout his career. Um, and he's just, you know, he did play well in the playoffs last year, but he's not a guy that's going to steal you a series or take over a series for you. He can be a, a so, totally competent starter, solid, solid goalie, but he's not going to, uh, uh, you know, win you a game that you shouldn't win probably the way that Igor could or, Henrik Lundqvist even could, or even Alexander Georgiev, we've seen him do it too. What are your thoughts on on the Hurricanes? I agree with you that the biggest advantage for the Rangers is in goal. Um, and I think that I think that the Rangers will be able to attack um, the lack of forward depth for the Hurricanes. And I think a deciding fact, uh, maybe a deciding factor that we forgot to talk about is Brendan Lemieux. I think he's perfectly geared for playoff hockey. He has the, he has the skill, you know, as a bottom forward, the tenacity, the physicality, and I think he could really he could really bring some of those players together and just be so important. But he is currently suspended, and we don't know how long that will be for and when that will be enacted. So that's an interesting topic, which um, very intrigued to see uh, to see when that suspension is implemented and for how long. Yeah, I think uh, Lemieux is definitely a guy suited for playoff hockey. Uh, if he can play, that'd be great. I'm not sure. I would say it's going to like decide the series. He's not, not going to decide think, it, but I think he'll be important. I think that for the Rangers, it'll be, I mean, it's going to be about defense. Can they, you know, whatever they have, we've seen them, we've seen them play these games. Some, some games, they look like a top of the line team that really knows how to defend other games. They look like a, you know, the worst team in the NHL and can't stop anything. And Carolina is a team, as we know, that loves to fire shots on goal. We've, you know, the Rangers goalies have been, peppered by shots by them year after year, game after game. These recent uh, these recent years, we saw Lundqvist play best game of his season, arguably, in Carolina, uh, as you kind of referenced before. But I think, can the Rangers shut him down? You know, who's going to go, who's going to be matched up with that top line? Is it Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox? Is it the two youngsters that are going to get the big assignment of shutting down Aho, Teravainen, and uh, Svechnikov? Or is it going to be Jacob Truba and whoever he's paired with, you know, kind of returning to form and stepping up, probably Brendan Smith, or do they try to, do they, do they separate Fox and Lindgren and try and, and put maybe Truba and Lindgren together? Ooh, no. uh, it wouldn't be crazy in my opinion. I'd free up Fox to try and play with D'Angelo and, and carry the offense as a second pair and lean on Truba and Lindgren as the heavy duty pair to try and shut down that top line. Uh, it's not, I'm not saying I expect that to happen, but it's, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Um, and then, and then it's going to be that third line. I think that mentioned, can the Rangers get secondary scoring from outside their top six for Carolina? I think the, even though I, I know I said that was an advantage of the Rangers before I worry about Carolina getting scoring outside of their top three, how much offense can they generate? But for the Rangers, can they get offense from, from past that top six, anyone not including Strom, Panarin, Panarin, Fasta, Benajad, Kreider, Buchnevich. Can they get contributions from Kako, from Hedl, uh, from Lemieux if he plays, from Howden? Can he, you know, he's, he shows, sometimes goes through a stretch where he's involved. Other other times he disappears. Does a guy like Vitaly Kratsov make the roster? I don't expect that to happen and and play. Uh, is is, uh, is Are they going to waste their fourth line on Michael Haley and put him in the lineup? Oh, but God, when, please, what please. Is, Please, dear God, they, no. they've got to find a way to to get something from these these their, their bottom six, and yeah, what are we, what are we going to add there? I just wanted to add. I just want to make sure that we both agree on the consensus that Igor Shosturkin will be the starting goaltender for this series, right? Because I know some people are trying to say, "Oh, well, Henrik Lundqvist has had so much success over his career against the Hurricanes," but I just want to make sure that. Igor Shosturkin is definitely best suited. He's the most skilled goaltender on the team, and we're not going to go with the with the thirty nine with the thirty nine year old goaltender. Uh, I mean, it's possible. You're with but I, on that, right? I'd start Shosturkin if I was. Uh, yeah, I just want to make sure. I mean, I mean, I'd start Shosturkin assuming that he plays well in training camp. I do think it's going to come down to that. It's kind of like your progress that you've made this season is all gone now. It's kind of starting from square one to some degree. Or if Shesterkin for some reason comes in and is like not ready and looks terrible, yeah, then I wouldn't start him. I wouldn't just start him like assuming like, oh, he's whatever. Like we're just going to start him no matter what. I don't think that's the right mindset. But assuming he's ready to go, uh, 
there's no reason that I would just start Lundqvist just so that he could get his and, last hurrah or just so because of his previous success against Carolina. And I, I, was, I was only bringing that up because, because you know, because David Quinn, you know, just put out, just NHL.com put out how uh, how he's said he's not going to put out a formal statement saying he's not going to decide, you know, who's going to be the starting goaltender. But but realistically, we know Shostakin's been the starting goaltender since February of this year. He's just dominated every, every angel shot that has come his way. So he's definitely going to be the goalie. For sure, in my it's the expected goalie. Uh, barring something unforeseen, yes, but it's too it's too early to say that he's one hundred percent like no doubt about it. it. It's not like we're it's different because it's not like we're heading into. It's, if we were talking about like the twenty twenty regular season, I'd the twenty 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 one season, I'd be like, yes, Sergeant's a starting goalie. But because this is such a weird little format, there's not the, the same preparation, and because although it doesn't really mean much to me, Henrik Lundqvist has had such success against Carolina. There's not – it wouldn't be, like, the most shocking thing ever for me if he played. Again, I wouldn't do that unless Shesterkin really, like, looked bad in, in camp here. And I don't expect that, too, because I know he's one of the guys that is in uh, is in New York and has been now for a little while uh, practicing because they've got a, a good crew there. Shesterkin was actually – he was actually uh, in Florida the past month, but he, actually but training he, with he a veteran. he came back. He did no, but he's back. been he's in been, New York. He's been in New York. Yeah, he's for a been. While. I've been here, but for four or five days, I believe. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it was. I think him, Alexander Ovechkin, uh, Devil Star, Nikita Gusev, and then Nikita Zadorov of the Avalanche, where I think we're all trained together down in Miami. So yeah. you know, that's you know great preparation but, to take shots from Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> yeah, my, my point being, he's he's playing. He's here. He's ready. He's yeah. not like having to yeah. come over last minute and like. Who knows what he's been doing back in home in Russia? He's here. He's ready. He's all in. Um, and Pavel Bushnevich, a fellow Russian, also came to New York today. So, yeah, no, they've, they've gotten alive. a few guys. Julian Gauthier uh, returned today, I believe, as well. Former Hurricane. Yeah, exactly. He's actually yeah, someone I forgot earlier when I was talking about the bottom six there. Um, but I think it's yeah, it's going to be a. It's yeah, I'd be I'd be shocked if it wasn't Sisterkin. I think Georgiev is kind of out of the picture at this point. I think. Our last kind of discussion will be revolving around the goalies more, but in a different sense in that, you know, if this this now reimagined CBA here uh, comes to fruition, uh, you know, the Rangers and the rest of the league are going to have to deal with a, uh, uh, are going to have to deal with a scenario where they're not getting any expanded cap room next season, and they're going to have to. Uh, they're gonna to have to deal with what they have here. Putting the Rangers in a, in a tough in a tough spot when it comes to their goalies, especially considering considering the fact that Kevin Shattenkirk's buyout uh, counts for six million dollars against the cap next season, and they've got to find a way to keep Ryan Strom and Tony, or maybe probably keep Ryan Strom and Tony D'Angelo and others like Jesper Foss will be hitting the uh, the open market unless signed by the Rangers. Um, so what do you what do you expect to happen this summer here? Um, just because there's no certainty on what the cap's going to look like or any possible, you know, amnesty buyouts, I'm not really sure. I think that Lundqvist has played his last game as a Ranger, and I know that the Rangers are going to do everything in their power to try to resign Sherman D'Angelo. But again, just with all the the unknowns on what the salary cap's going to look like, I'm hesitant to say anything for for certain as of now. I mean, I think. I expect the salary cap to do what they're saying now, which would be stay flat at I think eighty one point five million. Meaning, they you know obviously the Rangers are in a tough spot. Like I said, I think that, um, I think that unless if there's no amnesty buyouts, they're going to find themselves in a real difficult spot, where buying out Lundqvist would help to some degree. Um, I mean, it would help, but it just would put them in a you know tougher situation down the line. I think that trading him is going to be near impossible. Even with retained salary, half of his half of salary retained, still four point five million for a thirty-nine-year-old Lundqvist in a in a league where every team is now dealing with having uh, less cap space than expected. I think it doesn't really seem like it would be all that easy to sign Strom and uh, D'Angelo. They might have to make a decision there. Um, it's going to be a tough, tough. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a tough sort of thing to figure out there. I mean, I, I will tell you this, as I've written about before, if if they're awarded an amnesty buyout, it will be Henrik Lundqvist, not Mark Stahl or Brendan Smith or any of these people. It will be Henrik Lundqvist, undoubtedly. The Rangers will need every dollar they can get, and Henrik Lundqvist's contract is the biggest, and it would leave behind the smallest void just because they've got 
Georgiev and Chesterkin already they're ready to go. Whereas if you were to get rid of Stahl or Smith, you also would have to find a replacement probably uh, to some degree or, you know, bring in another veteran presence. So considering Lundqvist's salary is double what they're making uh, almost and the fact that you don't need to add anyone else's replacement, I don't see any situation where Lundqvist is not bought out if there is an amnesty buyout that is given to each team. Yeah, you're spot on there, Brian. No, I think... Anything else before we close it out? Yeah, you said it perfectly, Brian. Um, It's going to be an interesting next couple weeks. Um, Extremely excited to see hopefully Rangers playoff hockey on um, on July 30th. And uh, and if they uh, do end up losing to the Hurricanes, maybe that uh, that uh, the luck for Alexi Lafreniere. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I think Fingers that's crossed. what makes this playoff so uh, it's so relaxed, partially because it's the summer, you know, and it's a little bit <laughs> past when we expect it to be, but because of the fact now that, hey, the Rangers lose, they're still sitting pretty there with a you know, possible top you know, one pick number another, maybe another pick in the top 10. And if they, you know, if they move on, you know, as we've said, it's, it'll be fun to watch be some entertainment. Plus, uh, you know, the experience will obviously be beneficial to this young group. So that'll do it for episode five of ranting Rangers. Hope you guys have enjoyed. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Hopefully some more good news about the NHL's return to play. And yeah, let's go. My number one pick, Alexi Lafreniere, baby.